Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, we're in a pretty good mood after game four. Uh, we were in a pretty good mood after game one. If we had done an episode after either games two or three, moods probably would not have been as good. But as it stands right now, series is tied and the Islanders have a pretty good chance to win it uh, after a pretty wild uh, game four <laughs> at the Coliseum, which uh, was uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, the the Coliseum days have just been, they've lived up to their billing completely. Like I, I keep hearing the word raucous and that's, and, and I know that people have talked about the Coliseum or other places like that as being raucous, but it's just for some reason, like it, it really, like, like seeing, reading that word in previews or whatever kind of hit me a little differently because that's exactly what it is in there. It's just like pure bedlam and it's so great. Um, uh the and like you said like the the world was kind of just falling down around us uh after thursday night uh and that's also kind of when like the real hatred of the series kind of um like reared its head like i I hated jeff carter from the moment the puck was dropped (laughs) because i knew jeff carter was going to score a gazillion goals but um like now it's you're you're starting to really hate that you know the the roster depth like you know brandon tanev etc um, so the series really burst to life in that game three. And, um, then, yeah, that, that made the stakes even higher in game four. And they, the Islanders met, met the moment one, one player in particular met the moment kind of more than anybody. Um, the same guy who met the moment in game one, uh, mm-hmm. in goal for them. And 
it's you're, you're you start to wonder obviously they have a lot more work to do in the series but um look like what kind of islander like cult legend is being written um in the series because he is I, I love Ilya Sorokin he's unbelievable yeah uh, this is actually we had to actually restart but you said something really cool before that I thought was very interesting regarding Sorokin that it's fun to watch somebody be that composed which is the best way to put way he the way he was in in game four he was just composed like he was very solid um at one point Newsday's Colin Stevenson had tweeted out that he you know it was like late in the third period and he said that he didn't think he couldn't remember one specific save that Sorokin had made and he had made like you know 26 or whatever it was at that point because he didn't have to make memorable saves he was just on it every single time and so I thought that's a that's a very cool way of looking at it. That he it's very it's a lot of fun to watch somebody be composed, particularly after the two uh, uncomposed games uh, that we saw from Semyon Varlamov a couple of nights before. Yeah, and I think that there there was one moment um, in Game Four that my you know my stomach kind of dropped, but it was picked right back up by our little Russian back there. He um, it was right in the beginning of the game. I think it was Kasperi Kapanen yeah. coming down the wing and a good shot and. Uh, Sorokin deflected it into a corner. And the reason that, first of all, like it's just been so important for the Islanders to get a big save early because um, of like the weird soft goals that Varlamov let up right away uh, in games two and three. But it was also like the, the Penguins have scored, you know, four or five goals like that. Jeff Carter's had a couple. Uh, I think, you know, Kapanen had a similar one in game one to tie the game. Like those, those wrist shots sort of off of Russia from, from that area have given the Islanders goalie some problems just to see that one get batted away. That must've just settled the whole team down. Cause I thought the, the Islanders that like that first period was played out very much like a game one first period where the two teams were kind of feeling each other out. And then the Islanders just with each kind of passing moment and passing save or, uh, or good shift kind of just grew into the game, which was something they didn't do in two and three. Like they never built off their moments. And uh, we saw that in, especially in game three, when the, the Islanders would score, the Coliseum would be shaking, and then the Penguins would just come right back and score. <laughs> um, but it so to see them actually have like that kind of sustained effort was it was um, an incredible relief. Uh, just not to be down three one. I'm thinking about the Florida Panthers right now, who are they're down three one, and I'm just like, I don't know how those fans can live with themselves right now. Like, <laughs> like how could how can you wake up the next morning being down three one? Uh, and needing to win three in a row, like I would just be so sad. Um, yeah, and luckily well, we're the not. Capitals game is going to kick off right. in a little bit. In the same exact situation. So, um, yeah. So we need to talk about games two and three, but then we'll get to the good stuff, and then the second half we'll we'll talk about game five, which is coming up Monday night, uh, and then game six, which will be back at the Coliseum on Wednesday. Um, but getting back to um, game two. Uh, so the Islanders are taking game one in overtime. It's a pretty evenly played game, but, you know, the Islanders, uh, with, thanks to two goals from Kyle Palmieri, took the game. Sorokin uh, was a surprise starter, but played very, very well in that game. Uh, game two was a 2-1 loss to the Penguins, and the score is pretty indicative of how the game played out in a general sense. Like, uh, the Islanders were, were pretty pretty bad in the first period, uh, but they were much better in the second, and in the end, it was, it was a bit of an, the Penguins' edge. But, I mean, it was a fairly evenly played game, and the big difference was uh, a goal led in by Simeon Varlamov, uh, 320 in. He just fanned on this shot from Brian Russ, like you said, from far out. And it was it was so weird because it was so uncharacteristic of Varlamov that I, I feel like, you know, we were like, 
what the hell just happened? And I think a lot of the Islanders players and coaches may have been just like, what the hell just happened? And I wonder if some Penguins or two were like, what the hell just happened? Like it was, we had never seen Varlamov, at least this season, to my knowledge, give up any goals like that. Even when he got bombed in a couple of games, they were never just sort of that, that bad. And Kristen, Tristan Jari had, had let in a couple of goals like that in game one. And so like after seeing that performance, now all of a sudden here comes Varlamov and he gives up this really bad goal just a few minutes, not even five minutes into the game. Uh, and then a couple of minutes later, Jeff Carter, like you said, scores across the crease and you know, the goal itself wasn't that bad, but to be down two nothing uh, that early and one of them to be really bad was just, it was very demoralizing and the Islanders did play better over the course of the game, but uh, they even had a, a chance to tie it up with about a minute and a half to go. Uh, Brian Rust, one of the most bizarre uh, delay of game penalties we've ever seen. He just like grabbed the puck out of midair and just held on to it for, I don't know, what felt like 15 seconds and then let it go. And they were like, uh, yeah, that's a penalty. Uh, they pulled Varlamov, of course, but the six on four, they, they didn't do anything, let alone they didn't get a shot on net, let alone get a, a chance to tie it. So that was that was pretty disappointing. Um, you know, at the time, it just tied the series, but it was kind of a portent of things to come because it was just very odd seeing Varlamov give up a goal that bad that early in a game it was just really weird. And it just talk about getting your stomach up in knots. It was just didn't seem right. The two, one loss really sometimes isn't really that big a deal, but like the way that went down was kind of a big deal. <laughs> At least it felt like that way to me. Yeah. Like with the context of coming off a great performance of Sorokin from Sorokin too, and people not, it seemed like in the morning skate, like the Sorokin was in the starters net or something. There was something that seemed like Sorokin was going to start. And I think a lot of us, had had in the back of our mind that trots would just when varlamov was ready he would get the net he deserved it whatever um and yeah i mean that was a f- completely strange goal usually in a goal like that the goalie screened and like just it just like floats over his shoulder he just whiffed at it um don't don't really remember in many of those and you know i don't <laughs> remember peter menino giving up a goal like that <laughs> let alone varlamov but in the playoffs uh but it, i thought like he played really really well in that game after that like that yeah. he kept them in that first period for sure. And then was making some 10 bell saves uh, throughout the rest of the game. And that that's what uh, he earned himself another start. I thought like there was no reason not to go back to him. It looked like he just kind of shook off the rust and um, was, would was going to be dialed in for game three. And that didn't obviously didn't happen, but like I, I, I thought the game two was just one of those games where the Islanders and, like someone has to win a game like that and it's a coin flip. And uh, when you let up a goal like that, you're going to come out on the wrong side of that coin flip. Just like if you take a bad penalty or something like that, it was whoever's going to make the, the the egregious mistake. The Islanders made it. Mm. Um, I felt all right. Like kind of going into game three, uh, wasn't thrilled, but like the, 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 the beauty of a game one win is not only does it buy you, uh, you know, the 48 hours or so right after that game, but um you know you're not gonna be going down you're not gonna be down to nothing going uh you know for the next 48 hours so you you're 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 not in panic mode uh of course that all goes out the window when when you don't win game three which (laughs) we can talk about now and uh and the islanders did in fact lose game three uh and i want to get your full report from from being at the coliseum for that insane game but it was five four penguins and uh, it just played out, in, again, in a very, very strange way. So, yeah, I mean, Varlamov, he got better as as game two went on. And so that was kind of just a bad blip. And if you thought, all right, well, that's just how it is. But 
he just never quite looked right in game three at all. Again, he whiffs on a shot from Chris Letang. It's a bit of an un, uh, an unlucky goal. Kind of bounced off, I think, Ryan Pullock at first. Um, but still, like, you know, it was two minutes in, and, and this shot from the point goes in. And even if it's not Varlamov's fault, you're just like, man, we're doing this again? Really? Um, Scott Mayfield, who's been fantastic, by the way, in all of these games, uh, ties the game. Um, and then Jeff Carter, like, answers probably 30 seconds later, like, immediately after Carter answers with, you know, not really a great goal against. Uh, Jason Zucker made it uh, 3-1 three, Penguins about five minutes after that from a shot in front, kind of pinballed around and just didn't look like Varlamov was set and ready for it. So now we've got, you know, mounting evidence <laughs> that something might be wrong with Varlamov like he's just not really looked himself outside of you know games uh, the periods two and three really of of game two so then the third period starts and it's bedlam like you say Cal Clutterbuck scores off a scrum uh make it three two uh there's huge scrum break I mean it's a scrum because nobody got like a fighting major but somehow all 10 guys end up in the box and then uh, Brendan Burke was like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. And I was like, I've definitely never seen this before. They just took all 10 guys who were on the ice, throw them the hell in the box. Uh, the Penguins got an extra minor. I believe it was Jake Gensel. The Islanders actually scored on the power play. The 18 seconds in Anthony Bovillier scored um, to tie the game. And then Carter scores again, like less than a minute later. So all of a sudden you do all that work and it's four, three Penguins. Then Clutterbuck again ties the game, and it's just insane. There's, there's scrums and there's punches being thrown, and tensions are very high. But the Islanders have managed to tie the game again, and then literally uh, a minute later, uh, Brandon Tanev scores. Now Tanev is their Cal Clutterbuck. I don't know why Clutterbuck still has this reputation of being this huge piece of garbage when Tanev is just as bad and ten years younger. But whatever. Uh, and so he unties the game. The Penguins go on to win four three. And like Varlamov, really at no point did he look that good. I thought the Tanev goal was the only one that was like a legit goal. Everything else was either just bad luck or just bad positioning. And he just looked bad. And it was really weird. And so now you're down 2-1. And like you said, those doubts are creeping in. But now you're just like, have they just have they just blown this now? Can they bring Sorokin back? Is that going to be possible? Is is what the hell's wrong with Varlamov? Is he hurt? Is he okay? And it, so it, it was a wild game. And again, I want to hear all about how what it was like inside. But it was not like a, uh, I guess, confidence-building <laughs> game. Yeah, it was only 5-4, just like the other one was only 2-1. But there was a lot of things to make you worried about after that game, and it just didn't sit well at all. But you were there. How, how did it sit while you were watching it? Did it look like... Maybe it was just kind of a bad bounce or two that caused the Islanders to lose. Yeah, I mean, I think from where, where I was sitting, I was sitting behind uh, the the net. The Islanders shot twice at, and um, the most of the goals, I guess, except for the, the the more the less straightforward goals the Penguins scored were on the other end of the ice. The first goal, and then the the Tanev goal for sure. Uh, and yeah, it just looked like you know the Islanders wasn't weren't getting the saves. I don't, I can't remember one uh, big moment that like we were bailed out uh, from Varlamov, and maybe that's not fair, but like, I just don't really recall it. But the game, I mean, the atmosphere was just bananas. It's just it was like being back at the Coliseum for uh, you know the 2015 Capital Series or the 2019 Penguin Series, what or 2013 too? Like it, it was a, a rocking, 
the people you can tell like you can feel like the tension in the air but it's also like just so loud everyone's on top of each other in in, in the vaccinated sections and um people were just so happy too like that was the other thing like they were so happy to be back and um uh, in in like a semi-normal way that 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 energy definitely carried over um and then yeah like i, I was saying that it was the kind of the, that game experience was the there's so many little things that happened uh in the crowd that like made it you know it's like oh this is the coliseum like this is it like in, in its fine in its glory and it's like final glory mm-hmm. because uh there was one moment it was after the after Beauvilliers goal to tie it um I was, you know celebrating kind of like me and my buddy kind of like toppled over a little bit into the uh, staircase and these uh, other people like everyone was just hugging and I, a couple of minutes minutes later I realized I don't have my hat on I'm like touching the top of my bald head and <laughs> I'm like oh I don't have a hat and then I, the guy directly in front of me is wearing my hat I'm like huh. <laughs> And then, like, I was like, maybe he just had that same hat. And I was like, and I just like, I was like, plus, like, let's see how the Islanders do with my hat on his head. Maybe, like, yeah. they'll, they'll play well, whatever. That's the, the true Islander fan thought right, right. there. Like, if and, it works, just keep doing it. <laughs> and, uh, like, a couple minutes later, he takes off the hat and, like, is looking at it. And is like, wait a minute. This is not my hat. I was like, I think that's, I think that's my hat. And then we, we looked to the right and there was a blue hat on the stairs next, like probably three rows down and, and across the aisle. And I was like, is that your hat? He goes, no, that's not my hat. That's my hat. <laughs> and he points to the guy who's blue hat, like who's sitting next to the blue hat wearing that gentleman's gray hat. So it was like a three hat little switch that needed to be done. Um, yeah. People weren't wearing shirts. It was, it was very, very Coliseum like. And then, um, yeah, it's like, but there were just so many amazing moments and so many like there's so many great like cathartic releases and um then you know you least sad so it's like that's like nassau coliseum experience to me it's like the best place on earth it's so much fun in there but often you leave sad (laughs) and then you sit in your car and you kind of contemplate but actually like in like my my self-reflection after the game i was just sitting in my car thinking i i was happy that they they push back because that those first two periods were very quiet from the Islanders. Very, very quiet. Uh, Scott, like you said, Scott Mayfield, um, we owe him an apology. He's been a, he's been a tour de force like this whole series. Um, and he, outside of that shot, like when I was, I was convinced the Islanders weren't going to score a goal in that game. Mm-hmm. And then he scored obviously. And then it's three, one at the end of the second. And you're just like, you, you kind of wrote it off. I'm like, there's no way they're going to come back. This team, it would take them scored, you know, 12 periods to score four goals. Um, it was very quickly proven wrong. And, mm. uh, but I actually like, as, as sad as I was like immediate in the immediate aftermath of the game, um, as I'm like sitting in the car, kind of just like waiting for the traffic to filter out before leaving. I was like, well, at least they did show, not only did they come back, but they kind of dug into the penguins a little bit and like, at least show them this isn't, you know, even you guys might win game four and maybe we win the series four one, but it's not gonna, they're not Islanders weren't going to go down easy. Um, and it took a long time for that kind of to become a part of the Islanders like game plan, which <laughs> you assumed it was going to from the beginning. Cause that's just part of who they are. They, they don't, they're supposed to make you earn every inch of the ice. They're supposed to be all out on top of you. It, and the Islanders were, they weren't consistently doing that through the first, I don't know, eight periods of the series. And, um, now like that's in the back of the penguins head and i think that really carried over into game that is what carried over in game four is like that strategy like hey like this is working 
they have mm. two guys in particular who you the entire the book the the entire league has the book on Malkin and um Chris Latang, which is like if you can get these guys to do something stupid after the whistle because they don't <laughs> like to be kind of pushed around. I mean, Brendan Witt was knew that yeah. and he played Vanny Malkin 15 years ago. So like that's how long people have kind of known about this guy. Is like he will he will eventually do it and and he that that's I I credit the way the Islanders played at the end of game um three for for kind of being what threw the penguins off in game four uh because they were they were looking over their shoulder like the whole game um and the islanders were all were there when they looked over the shoulder they were you know there was leo Komarov or there was casey Sezikis. so uh that that was i and and it sucks is like you don't you can never take a a moral victory in the playoffs like it's just not that's not how mm, it goes and right. I, but i tried my best to look at it that way uh after two one and i kept telling myself look if you're going to win a Stanley Cup at, at one point in the journey, you're going to have to come back from 2-1 or 3-1 in a series. Like, that's what happens. So um, hopefully this is, you know, kind of the first little bit of adversity that the Islanders are able to conquer. And uh, But, yeah, I do think that that game three, kind of like the end of game three and the way it just went completely off script, changed change the dynamic of the series a little bit. And hopefully, uh, I mean, it got, like, I know that there's an article in The Athletic by one of the Penguins, you know, fleet of writers uh, that that said that a, a quote like the source a, a source told him a high ranking member of the Penguins like organization co- has complained to the league about the way that about quote unquote disinterested officiating. Yeah. If you put if you put ten guys in a box and one swoop, that's not disinterested. I don't think you know like that's yeah. that's the most interested I've ever seen a ref. <laughs> uh, but you know, and we can also just say it's primarily Lemieux because he does this all the time. Uh, yeah. But um, you know, like. The, the fact that the Islanders got that kind of stuff going is, is can only be a good thing. And that's what, that's what I took from game three. Yeah. I, you know, the, so the Islanders, according to the Penguins beat writers, uh, I don't want to get too far into this because we talked about this last time too, but like, so apparently in game three, the Islanders tried to bully the Penguins, which implies that the Penguins were just sort of like casually minding their business when uh, the Islanders were like, you know, trying to shake them down for lunch money. Like that's not really what was going on there. Like the penguins, like you said, 10 guys end up in the box for not just because they were just innocent bystanders. Like they were in there at one point, somebody had somebody else in a headlock, like helmets were coming off, uh, you know, and, but you know, in the penguins in the eyes of the penguins and their writers, and I think I figured out exactly what it is about them. That's so annoying is that the penguins can never just win a game. Like everything, they do has to be epic in scale. So they can't just ever win a game. They have to overcome these universal galactic forces that are trying, conspiring to, you know, keep them down again. Like this isn't a team that's won, you know, five Stanley Cup in its history and and hosted a, a trillion Hall of Famers. Like they overcame this, this, Islanders, you know, uh, deluge of violence, uh, to take the get two, one lead in the series. It's like, you guys won. You did played a good game. You scored right after the Islanders scored, and you won. That's it. Like you've got a good, talented team. Why does it have to be this way? And of course, if when the Penguins lose, it's like you know the whole franchise is teetering on complete non-existence. You know, is this is this the end of the run? Is this the end of the Penguins? Are they going to have to trade Malkin? They have to go do a rebuild, guys. The series is tied. Like just relax for a second. <laughs> but um, but yeah, there, there's an article out there saying that you know they they talk to. Somebody from the Penguins talked to the, you know, the NHL. Now coaches do this, like just in recent days, John Cooper went off on a whole thing about 
uh, officiating in the Lightning Panthers series. And Rod Brindamore says that his Hurricanes are fighting the refs too, which I'm sure is going to cost him, you know, a couple of grand uh, into the uh, whatever kitty that (laughs) those fines go into. And so it's not unusual, but at the same time to act like the Penguins aren't also doing this again, they, 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 uh, you know, employ Brandon Tanev, who is the same guy as Cal Clutterbuck, basically like they just do that. And Malkin, the guy I always think about with Malkin losing composure is Travis Hamannick. Like Travis Hamannick's a good player. The Islanders had him when he was really, really good. And his number one, talent was driving Malkin absolutely bonkers. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was just, maybe it was just his face. I don't know. Maybe he didn't like guys from Winnipeg, but like, you know, he just got, drove him crazy. And you know, this, like you said, it's, we've known this about Malkin forever. He's got a million dollar hands. And he's got 10 cent head. He's just not that bright and he's easy to, to rattle. And the Islanders did it to perfection in game four, which was a four, one win. And to me, that game uh, and we'll we'll talk about the specifics. Malkin took three penalties in that game. Latang took one. And for all the bullying the Islanders did in game three, the Penguins ended up taking 12 of the 16 total minutes and penalties in that game. So I don't know who they thought they were fighting, but it wasn't the Islanders. <laughs> like, I don't know what they, I guess you're right. Like they just kept looking over their shoulder and walking into these penalties. And they were like, you know, stupid penalties. Like Malkin took three penalties in the first period and a half. Like they're just, and they were just dumb penalties. He weren't, he wasn't trying to do anything. He was just being tough for no reason, and then he got caught and he got thrown in the box. Um, they they negated a power play by taking a penalty. I forget who it was. It Bluger, I think, tripped somebody, and that power play is over. So um, the, whatever mind games the Islanders are playing, if if they were doing anything, really worked. Brock Nelson was driving guys crazy. And uh, like I said, the, the first was, was kind of slow, very even. Uh, the Islanders were great for the first 10, not so great for the second 10, but, you know, came out 0-0. Then Bailey scores from a great feed from Beauvillier, who was pushed into the net. And then the the commentators talked for 10 minutes about whether or not it should have been goalie interference, even though Latang was the one who pushed Beauvillier into Jari. And then, like, you could see Beauvillier, like, try and move away. And then the goal was scored. And it's like, mm, this is – you guys can keep talking about it, but there was never there was never interference here. Mike Sullivan knows that. Um, then Ryan Pollock gets a goal off of a Penguin skate, makes it 2-0. You thought, okay, well, that's good, but let's see what happens in the third. And then just the wheels came off the Penguins. Teddy Bluger knocked a puck into his own net in one of the most comically hilarious uh, own goals you'll ever see in a hockey game. And that was supposed to – it went to Oliver Wallstrom, and he'll take it, but that was hilarious. So 3 nothing Islanders. 24 seconds left. Eberly on a beautiful feed from Barzell makes it 4 nothing, And then the party is just on, and it was just a great game, a great time. At J- Zach Aston-Reese made a, a – uh, made it 4-1 late. Uh, it's kind of a weird bounce or whatever, but Sorokin was fantastic. Again, he made 29 very unmemorable saves, uh, which is what exactly what the Islanders needed. And the mind games, I guess, were exactly what the Penguins didn't need. And before you know it, boom, the series is tied. And uh, it was a highly, highly enjoyable game. And not the least of which was because of the score, but it was a little bit like an episode of The Love Boat. Now, I'm a little bit Older than you. I remember the love boat very clearly when it was on TV, but it was like highly enjoyable. And it was like an all-star cast of, of former stars. Matt Molson was there. Uh, our friend, Jenny Berman from lighthouse hockey took a great picture. He was sitting right there. He's sitting amongst the people. Matt Molson's a man of the people. Uh, Sean Bates was there. John Tonelli was there. Uh, Marty Reasoner was there. <laughs> the, the friggin' New York jets were there. And, Everybody's new favorite jet is offensive lineman, Dan Feeney, who just had, he was fired up, man. He was, 
down in beers and crushing the cans against his head. He had a great mullet. I don't know if he did that mullet for the game or he just wears it like that normally, but it was a fun time. And I mean, it was the exact game that the Penguins didn't want to see, but boy, that was, you know, that was one of the more fun Islanders playoff games I can remember in a long time. And it was, it was just great from, from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, on one hand you could say, Hey, the Islanders played a good game and the Penguins didn't, but boy, you talk about a tie turning that tide. It didn't just turn it like tie it turned and then like engulfed an entire, you know, Island archipelago (laughs) in the, in that, that time it was crazy, but, uh, but it was great. And as a result, now they have a chance to, to, if they win game five, which we'll talk about after the break, uh, they can come back to the Coliseum and close it out, which was exactly what you want, basically. Yeah, I thought the, the game, um, you put it right, like it was, it, it turned into a party, um, you know, basically midway through, I guess through the third. And But uh, yeah, the fir- first period was, was white knuckling. And uh, when they got through that 0-0, zero, zero, uh, I felt all right. And then, the, yeah, that Bailey goal, um, for, like it's great to see him finding the back of the net a little bit um, because we know how streaky that entire line can be. And uh, another guy who was streaky, who scored was Jordan Eberle. Like that's when you say tide turning, that's kind of how I, what I'm thinking more about than anything was that, um, you know, the Jordan Eberle scoring was a big deal. Matt Barzell was, was very effective. He, he passed up a couple of really good scoring yeah. opportunities, which yeah. was a little head scratching. But the fact that he was creating them basically every shift should tell you that uh, he, he had a good game. He really did. And uh, like to see those guys going like the, the Islanders have stayed in the series despite Jordan Everly basically being on a different planet for the first three games. And Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick pairing not playing their best and Matt Barzell not playing his best or you know trying to do too much just because his line mates weren't going. So they were really surviving on on uh, just like a couple of kind of random guys stepping up and before the playoff started, uh, Barry Trotz was talking um in like a presser is like it's like someone asked him about Barzell and he's like yeah, you know, that's not really how the playoffs work. Like you you, you expect Matt Barzells and Sidney Crosby's of the world to be there, but there's always going to be someone who steps up and um you know kind of makes a name for himself and uh Right after game one, I was like, oh, he's, you know, he's very, uh, what do you call it, like prescient or whatever. And because uh, he's talking about Kyle Palmieri, but who was really talking about was Scott Mayfield, who once again was really good. And I thought that's where the game turned was Mayfield, Crosby was skating in on against Mayfield and Mayfield played him perfectly, like p- perfectly. And Sid goes down and mm. the refs call a penalty. And it was a horrible call um, that like I, I can't imagine someone playing a better one-on-one against against Crosby like to textbook everything and uh the Islanders end up killing the first 30 seconds off and yeah then the Anna Pella gets tripped behind the net by uh Jason Zucker I think and oh yeah Zucker yeah, 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 yeah and um but then that's yeah right that it felt like if the Islanders killed that penalty off they would probably win the game and if the Penguins had scored on that power play they would probably win the game that's how it felt as in a two two nothing game and as soon, and the fact that the penalty was coming on such a bad call really made me f- feel kind of nervous because that's just how it goes. And uh, that when the Islanders got, got the call going the other way, I was like the the weight off came right off my shoulders. Obviously, they scored two power play goals on the same four on three, five on three penalty, uh, and it, it, the guys who'd scored like well, even Walsham, like getting that 
yes, Teddy Bluger uh, passed the puck into his own net, but that's what happens when you have such a good shot and you, you create a, a rebound and a, a, a juicy rebound in like a split second. And the guys don't have time to react to puck pinballs. And um, then, yeah, then Everly scoring. And all of a sudden you just start thinking, you just start thinking about how the Islanders got to this point and like what's worked and what hasn't. And what's worked for them has been the, you know, physical, um, you know, bad boy Islanders. Like it's <laughs> very strange to say it. Cause like, you, you know, when it's your team, it's like very different. The, the way that people view the Islanders, I guess, is the way they viewed like, uh, I don't know, like the Kings back then when like they were, mm. you know, with Dwight King and banging into people, um, uh, Kyle Clifford and those guys. Uh, but yeah, this is a, a team that seems to have a reputation for, um, for playing like this. And, and I guess, cause we've been watching for so long. It's like, when uh you know you 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 walk into your house you can't really smell what it actually smells like you're just like <laughs> nose blind like that's what we are with the islanders we just don't realize like hey like they are like this very physically forward team like um which is great i mean it's and that's when people say oh they're built for the playoffs i guess that's what they mean and um yeah it's that and getting the saves that they need because look tristan jari like he had a great game he had a great game too and but other than that like the islanders should have the a, pretty massive edge in the goaltending as long as Sorokin is, is kind of playing at the same level that he's been played in his first two games. So, um, yeah, it's set up. It's just, it, it's, uh, some, I'm very, you know, very like hesitant to say like the Islanders have the momentum because in the playoffs as as Barry Trott said, like every game is like a game one. It's just all about staying kind of level headed, but they do seem to have found at least like a recipe for success that, that they should be able to give themselves a chance with for going forward. And, and, I just hope we don't see that uh, kind of get abandoned, um, <laughs> whether through their influence, the referee's influence in the next game, whoever, whatever. I just hope mm-hmm. that this series is called the same way it's been called. Because uh, I saw, yeah, there was a bad call on uh, Scott Mayfield there. Brock Nelson, mm-hmm. I think, got away with a couple, uh, like with an interference in the first period. Yeah. Um, but like other than that, I thought the refs have, they've done a good job by like, you know, doing, letting this these two teams play towards play to like who they are um like with, with the panthers lightning series like there's a penalty every five minutes because that series mm. is, is off the walls but this series is like has been kind of contained chaos and the refs are kind of calling it like that and mm. i got i just hope from now on like that that um that little and and that little thing in the, the athletic that the little mario lemieux note passing to to whoever at the league office is, is gonna keep me up a little bit but uh, I can't really worry about that stuff because uh, it's two two, and yeah, the Islanders, you know, they're they're uh, they're not they're very much alive. They're very much alive. Oh, I definitely think that Game Five is going to have a lot of penalties called against the Islanders. Like, I, I think that's that's going to happen because now now that it's out there, like we know, and they know that we know that they know that we know, like or whatever that is. Like <laughs> they just so I would expect that, but you know that's just how it goes. And I mean, the Islanders are just going to have to deal with it and so far their their pk has been pretty good um but uh yeah you know barzell said right after the game that you know the penguins have already probably forgotten about it so you can't you know you can't just assume that game game five will will happen the same exact way and uh but the islanders have to be ready you know they they went in and again they they played it totally they played very well in game one and just had to go to overtime so i mean it's not they can't play well in pittsburgh they're gonna have to get a good goaltending performance again and and hopefully sorokin who will definitely start that game uh is up to the task and uh we'll have to see but we're gonna talk a lot more about that uh on the other side of the break please don't forget to leave us a review at itunes uh put your twitter handle 
in the review itself so that uh, you can enter a chance to win some eBay swag. It's the last month we're doing this. So if you're going to do it, do it now. All right. Uh, iTunes review, Twitter account in there, and uh, maybe you can win some eBay swag. All right. Thanks a lot. Uh, come back in a couple minutes and we'll talk about games five and six. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. New addition to Vintage Ice Hockey right now, the Indianapolis Racers. That name sounds familiar. It's probably because you've heard a story or two about this one time when they very briefly employed this 17-year-old kid named Wayne Gretzky, who they then had to sell to the Edmonton Oilers, I think, to make payroll or something. And the rest is history. So if you want to have some cool Indianapolis racers stuff, you should go to vintageicehockey.com. You could use a, the code lighthouse 15 to save yourself 15%. You could also buy our Al Arbor t-shirts and our portion of which goes directly to the center for dementia research. So go to vintageicehockey.com today and uh, check it out. They got a ton of cool stuff there. Uh, okay. So game five is Monday uh, at seven o'clock uh, in Pittsburgh. You know, as we said before, I, I don't think the penguins are going to be all that, intimidated or or remember you know game five all that well but you do wonder what's you know where it could go like i mean the islanders i don't think are going to shy away from anything i think they're going to they're going to come at the penguins and they better because they you know they can't uh, afford to sit back but you know there's a difference between kind of being aggressive and being too aggressive and i think that was kind of what the islanders were in game four which was just aggressive enough that they got the penguins off their game asserted themselves you know, dominated the game for for what it's worth. Although that that might make it sound a little bit overboard, but you know, they they controlled the game for the most part throughout by being assertive and aggressive enough, but not going too overboard. On the road, I think it's easier to kind of go overboard, and you don't want them to start shit for no reason. But I don't think the Islanders are that kind of team. Um, but more importantly, is that the team that wins that game obviously is going to have a three, two lead and they're going to be coming back to Nassau Coliseum. So if the penguins, let's say the penguins go ahead and win it coming back to the Coliseum, they know that they're in for the fight of their lives. If the Islanders win game five, going back to the Coliseum, they know that they're going to have this insane crowd behind them. And uh, that, you know, would be an enormous advantage as we've seen. So this is not, like, you know, this is obviously they always say, oh, it's the pivotal game five. It is pivotal because somebody's going to come out with a win. But I think it probably means more to the Islanders in this case, because, I mean, the Penguins, I think, could could possibly win on the road. and They have before. But I think for the Islanders that that Coliseum advantage is just too huge to pass up. And 
if they don't come out of Monday's game with a win, um, yeah, they could they probably feel good about tying the series. But then again, you're going to have to win in Pittsburgh anyway. So we'll see. But I think I'm getting a little too far ahead of myself, <laughs> as as always. Um, what do you think about game five? I mean, what, what's your sort of uh, panic level going in, uh, if it's anything? Yeah, I'm still in the... Uh first you know first 36 hours after playoff win rule which is i try very hard to appreciate the relief of uh the previous win um but <laughs> um it's just it tomorrow is going to be a nightmare <laughs> yeah. like all day you're just going to be it's just going to be a nightmare uh you, you like it you you really wish that it was as simple as all the islanders played better and really they played the best game either team has played in the series in game four. So that should hopefully mean something, but it really, I mean, it doesn't like we know, like we've seen the Islanders play incredible first periods, go up to nothing and then come out completely flat in the second, second period. And that's just right. because they sat down in the locker room and then came back and had some, had like a banana and then came back outside. Like that's, <laughs> you know, these things just, it's just how it goes in sports. And um, I'm just, you know, I'm thrilled that there's some uh, like uh there's very little um, to to kind of you know harumph about about the goaltending. Like we know who's going to be in there. Uh, he's looked great. He deserves the shot. Um, and then I'm pretty excited with just the way that um, the like I said before, like Eberle and and the, the a couple guys who were, who were kind of laid dormant in the first few games came to life in that series. And you hope that the rest of them. Um, kind of catch up uh there's there's still i think a couple like nick letty we know has really struggled in this series and you hope that uh at some point he he starts to to turn his game around a little bit we saw him in the first half of the season <laughs> play like nick letty of old and that was very encouraging and then mm. he kind of the wheels kind of came off of his season a little bit but um i think i really do like I, i'm just i'm i'm encouraged uh, the guys who are playing well like i'm encouraged about uh and uh, Scott Mayfield for sure. Like I really can't say enough about him. Uh, he's really been, he's been awesome. Uh, he I think he had one really bad turnover in game one or something, or, and then or game two. No, it was game one. Yeah, yeah, a couple bad icings and stuff. But like since like the first thirty minutes of that game, like he's been the probably the Islanders' best player in the series, um, outside of I guess Sorokin. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the kind of stuff I'm I'm excited about. I've kind of outlined the the, the stuff that's worrying me the most, which are the outside influences of um mario lemieux again and then <laughs> then uh and also like just the fact that the, we've like we've seen this the, the penguins kind of don't whereas whereas the islanders really seem to have to work hard to create um their opportunities the rain the the penguins are getting theirs just off of rushes and stuff and um that 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 horrifies me that they can turn a game on a dime mm. uh, so that's what that's the stuff i'm most ner- nervous about i guess and but like if you had told me before the series two two um I think I probably would have signed up for it. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Like I, I think about that and sometimes you kind of feel dumb because, you know, I think in my brain, I kind of knew that two, two was where this game, this series would be after four games. And then when it get, but watching it get there drives you crazy. It means you're going to lose two games. Uh, and so I, you know, I think, yeah, you would sign up for this. And I think most people probably assume that they would be in this place. I don't think anybody would be surprised if it went seven, uh, which is horrifying right now to think about, but uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll see how it's, it goes. Um, one, one amazing thing about a playoff series is so it's been four games. It's been and it's been exactly a week basically since we last spoke, and which was like was it after game one? Game one, yeah, yeah. Game one was on a Sunday, right. so it's now been a week. The series is now like almost exactly a week old, 
it feels like it's six years. Like I just yeah. like I can't think of anybody else but the Penguins right now. That's who all I think about is Jeff Carter or mm. or the Islanders, and that's just that's all I'm. I it's it's just unbelievable how these series just completely consume you. Um, mm. Everything, like you, I just have no interest in anything else <laughs> in, in, in the world right now. Like I just am like, oh well, yeah, no, I can uh, I can get back to you know trying to solve this crisis or that crisis in a couple in a couple weeks. Like uh, the the only crisis that 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 deserves my attention right now is the goaltending crisis, the, mm. the great goaltending crisis. But uh, it's just unbelievable. It's been a week. Yeah. It, I'm it just it's so it feels well so and much it, longer. It plays with your scheduling too, because I'm like, okay, so this week it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If they got to play Friday, then what's going to happen? When would the next, you know, and so like, when can I mow my lawn? Friday is a half day for a lot of people because it's Memorial Day weekend. So I'm like, okay, well, then how are we going to, you know, if we got to do this barbecue, what happens if they move on? And then it's Sunday. Is it Monday? And it's, you know, it's a whole thing. But now I got to like try and figure out what's going on Wednesday. Well, I got to make sure that I'm ready. The the fact that they have a game tomorrow is or Monday is kind of weird because they haven't had one in a while. So I have to remind myself of that. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely does consume you and it does feel like it goes on forever because it's, it's like you said, it's a roller coaster. So when they, when they win the middle, the days in between feel short and you're giddy and you're excited. And when they lose, it's like, Oh my God, I got to deal with this for 48 more. I got 48 more hours. I got to read 15 more pieces at the athletic about how Sidney Crosby is overcoming the great, uh, you know, uh, push against him from the Islanders. It's a whole thing, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a lot, but, um, yeah, like you said, I mean, Mayfield's been great. Letty, you know, even Pollock have had their moments uh, where you kind of wonder if, if they're, you know, in need of a break. Well, they're not getting one. Uh, Dobson and Green have been pretty good, I think. And Adam Pellick was been pretty good. But and he was absolutely dominant in, in game four. So that was that was cool to see, too. And, um, you know, people make a big deal about how Crosby's kind of been kept in check. I don't want to say too much, but uh it's worked and so yeah i think you know the islanders do have a formula they just have to find it and we we know about it. i mean this is year three now of the trots era like we know the formula but we've also seen them just abandon the formula too and so you never know which one is really going to show up uh, especially this season so if they can find that formula quickly um you know they could come out of game five with a win and uh it won't be easy but uh we'll see i also feel like there's probably at least you know another overtime game <laughs> coming at some point too so we'll have to see uh, okay, so um, and obviously, yes, yeah, Sorokin hopefully can repeat his performance again. Um, so looking around the league, uh, like I said, this we're recording this Sunday. It's almost six o'clock. I think Caps Bruins is going to get started around six thirty or so. Um, the Caps are in a bad place. They played an absolutely terrible game four. Um, and I mean, I said to you, like, how many times have we seen the Islanders play this exact same game? Like, they just they were flat. They had they had nine shots in the game halfway through. They just were very disinterested. I mean, if you played that game in the middle of a season, you'd be like, well, it just wasn't your night. But man, with a series, you know, game four, you could tie the series online. I was, I'm not even a Caps fan. I'm anything but. But I was like, this is bad. This is a very bad performance. I forget what the score even was. I think it was like 5-1 or something like that. It was bad. And the Bruins were great. Good credit to all them, but that was bad. So as of, you know, by the time you're listening to this, the Caps may already be out of the playoffs or they could be back in, in it at 3-2. So you never know. Um Carolina and uh, uh, Nashville are in overtime right now. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, the Hurricanes won a big double overtime game the other day. Matt, Matt Duchesne with one of the most beautiful, skillful double overtime goals we've ever seen. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Normally double overtime goals are ridiculous, but that one was really, really great. Um, and um, Leafs and Habs tied at one. 
And uh, the big story of that one isn't so much that Montreal won game one, but it was the injury to John Tavares. Uh, it was pretty bad. He got hit once kind of coming forward. And then right behind him was K- uh, Corey Perry kind of need him in the head. Um, you know, Corey Perry has done stuff like that in the, in his, in the past, but this was totally accidental. Um, and it ended up being a, a scary injury. Tavares had to be stretched off the ice. He went to the hospital. The Leafs were clearly shaken up. They ended up losing the game. They came back. They won game two big. I think it was five, one or five, two. And uh, yeah, it's um, you know, it's, it's a big story. And it's, uh, you know, hopefully he's fine. He's sent out messages. Everybody says he's okay. He's out indefinitely um, with a concussion. So we don't know when he'll be back. But, you know, obviously we don't want to see anybody get hurt, even John Tavares like that. And uh, but like so you were at the game, game three uh, on the Islander series when that happened. And you were saying that like sort of words that are filtering out around the crowd. I'm wondering what the reaction there was. It was weird. It was like incredibly surreal because, um, you know, you're, you're so focused in the game and what's going on. And you, you, I'll check my phone every now and then, but uh, even though you're getting everything in such snippets. So then you, I just started hearing, you know, people around me saying like John Tavares, his name. And I, I assume, you know, oh, he scored a goal or something, whatever. Like you, the first thought in your head doesn't go, oh, they're talking about John Tavares. He must've just got kicked in the head or something. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was really weird. And then finally, when I took my phone out to see what happened, all I saw was that um, he had got stretchered off. And so all of a sudden, like the kind of like the conversations in like the, the arena were like, Oh God, like I'll be honest, like it was kind of like, you're just like kind of like speechless for a second. Cause we, I, I didn't know, like I didn't see anything about him putting a, his thumb up or whatever. I just, like literally all I saw was the picture of like the Leafs standing around him, like Carey Price, like standing next to him, like as he's getting stretchered off. And um, it, it was just very, like very weird um, feeling. Cause here's, here's this villain um, in, in our, I'm like literally in the heart of the country that he has spurned. And um, yeah, you're just like, you're watching him watching that and you're like oh like your your feelings co- like completely shifted because you just think oh god like i hope he's okay like he's got kids and family watching um and then uh as as like it started to trickle out every I, like everyone around us was all saying like yeah i hope he's all right like let's score a goal for him let's score a goal for john Tavares. <laughs> it was just incredibly weird and then it was weird like, yeah as soon it's as, very as, weird yeah it was just like the weirdest thing ever but then you know the 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 you know next couple I don't know, like 12, 12 hours later when, when he's, you saw he's okay and, and whatever, and going to be all right to you hope at least, I mean, I guess he was at least released from the hospital and sending his, his now infamous group text message. Uh, <laughs> then it just started to get annoying with the, the Leafs media. Like, I mean, if you, it, it's just, uh, I went to school, and, like I took journalism classes, whatever. And, and like the first thing you're always told is like, when you're, especially when you're talking about sports or writing about sports or you're writing about something that isn't, doesn't have to do with you. You are the person just observing because other people can't be there to observe. The first thing that you're told is like, it's a weak story if you put yourself in it. And immediately every Leafs writer from this side, from like Brampton to the Maritimes uh, were writing about what the John and Tavares injury meant to them. Like it was just the strangest thing. And 
you were saying about the penguins a little bit um how everything is is like this like life or death situation with this team they can't just win a hockey game they can't just beat the ottawa senators 3-1 in a ho-hum you know game it's got to be blown out of proportion and it's the same thing with the leafs obviously to to a complete other level and um like it just it it the whole thing is like gonna be turned into such a circus i i saw that somebody did a story about how hockey night in canada covered it like like it was like a like it was like a the building was getting robbed as they were on the air or something like that's mm. what you that's what you do stories like that for not mm. a hockey injury so like that, that it was just like a very strange kind of i don't know personal journey obviously like with it because it's you you like like keep saying like you hope the guy's all right and stuff and you, you i don't want him to win i don't want the leafs to win ever but that's not how you want him to go down um but then to have everything you know shoved in your face it just reminds you of like Oh, well, this is part of the reason why I feel the way I do about this guy and your team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a kind of a ghoulishness about it. Like it's almost like they're, they're rel- relishing it a little bit too much <laughs> trying to, you know, their ability to talk about who who can make the most personal story about this or this, the most tragic story about this really, I mean, a tragic injury, but at the same time, I mean, he's, he's okay. He's, again, he's back and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't in the hospital more than, than one night. And sat, you know, Kevin Miller, Kevin Miller was just in the hospital for the Bruins. And I don't think I, I didn't see like yeah. Joe Haggerty coming out from the clouds and talking about how he was you know sobbing in a car after right. the game or something. Yeah. And I mean, nobody else would get that kind of treatment in any other market. And, and that's, that's not Tavares's fault. I mean, again, he didn't do anything wrong. Like, I mean, the, nobody really did anything wrong on the play at all. I mean, I forget the guy who hit him first. It might've been Bogosian. I'm not even sure, but like, again, it was just this incredible confluence event of events that ended up in this really, you know, sickening play. And then, and that's another thing too, is like, you know, the, this terrible hit happens and this always happens whenever there's a terrible hit, you know, whenever Tom Wilson uh, appears on the scene and does one of these, it's like, Oh my God, this is so awful. And yet it's retweeted into your timeline. 5,000 times and it's shown a million different ways and replays on Sportsnet and, and TSN like, okay, we got it. You know, we saw it like, and so it's, there, there are two sides to it. And I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you hope the guy's okay and, and he'll be back eventually. I don't know when, I mean, that's the thing too, is like, it's a concussion. And I mean, I could, he could be out for the rest of the playoffs or he could be back probably in round two. So, I mean, we don't know. It's hockey after all. You can't really uh, discount how quickly they'll they'll come back. But uh, it was it was definitely hard to watch. And and you know I think uh, like a lot of Islanders fans, we, you know you don't want to see that guy get hurt, uh, no matter what did, uh, our feelings are towards him. And so uh, hopefully we'll see him again real soon. Uh, and hopefully uh, it's uh, not in round two because uh, the Leafs will have lost uh, to the Habs. But there you go. Um, and <laughs> other in other Canadian. Uh, Playoff news: The Oilers are down two nothing to the Jets. Uh, Connor McDavid has no goals, and uh, in case you were wondering, yes, Kyle Clutterbuck do has does have two goals in this playoff uh, year, as does Josh Bailey. So those both those two guys combined are both scoring twice as often as Connor McDavid is. I don't know what the Jets are doing. I'll confess I have not watched a moment of their games. Whatever they're doing on Connor McDavid, I don't know why they didn't do it during the regular season, but it's working. And and if they go down. Three games. Now they got to go back to Winnipeg. So, man, if they go down three games, boy, that is not going to be 
it's going to be an ugly scene out there in, in Edmonton. I'll tell you right now, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be very bad. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Like, it really is. It's, it's very funny. The the way that this that the Oilers were kind of talked about at the end of the year, like that kind of like was a uh, gave gave you like a little foreshadowing into the playoffs. Like all anyone could talk about was Connor McDavid because he was on his way to scoring what 104 points, whatever he ended right. up doing. Um, but what that showed you was there really isn't all that much to talk about with this team outside of, you know, Connor McDavid and, and dry Seidel and, um, you know, I guess like Darnell and there's like, yes, sir, there, there are some decent people behind him, but like, this isn't an incredibly deep team. Like there's a reason, uh, why they are, they have the best player in the world and they're not that good. And, uh, mm. it's just, and, and I, I mean, it's, we remind ourselves of it before every playoffs. Like it, it really is like a completely new slate. Uh, the Jets were terrible down this stretch of the mm. regular season. Everybody kind of wrote them off. Uh, yeah, and now they're they're kind of sitting pretty, just doing what they do, which is uh, kind of just pr- hoping that Connor Hellebuck it, it plays well and then taking advantage of their opportunities because they got some good forwards. And um, I, I would, it would just really, really tickle me if we get Winnipeg, Montreal, and the, <laughs> after all the hoopla that we've yeah. had to deal with between the north division all season long if we get winnipeg montreal as the um north division all canada championship it would i i think i can't imagine how many writers will just take their vacations early this summer you know just, <laughs> hitting the cabin yeah hitting the cabin nice and early. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know the thing about the oilers is yeah i mean mcdavid is so good and again it's it's not his fault that he's covered this way because he's ridiculous i mean he had an unbelievable season a 56 game season have 100 points like that's absurd and obviously you know if you're if you're a writer you want to create this sort of drama and so you you talk about okay well obviously the leafs are going to win the division but like you know maybe the oilers are hot right behind them and and could challenge them and that's that's a legitimate thing but then you know the playoffs happen and all of a sudden paul maurice is there with his little glasses and his deep voice and he is scowling grimace and he's there to ruin the party. And that's just how it works. You know, I mean, same with Barry Trotz has been doing this at teams for years, you know, like he goes in with this underdog team and makes life miserable for the guys that are supposed to win the series. So it's, it is funny. So that's a legitimately funny thing. I mean, that, you know, that had, had the Tavares injury not happened, the, Habs winning game one would have been also hilariously funny, but unfortunately there was this tragic sort of underpinning to it, but we can thankfully still laugh at the Oilers for losing to the Jets and seeing where that goes. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. Other, other than that, I'm pretty sure I, I'm, I'm even forgetting who's what's going on. I think the avalanche are rolling. The golden Knights are rolling. The, the wild have put up a valiant fight, but they just don't got it. So, Hey, what are you going to do? Yeah, uh, Mark Andre Fleury is, yeah. I mean, talk about, Everyone wrote him off before the season. Right. He was he, Alan Walsh was tweeting pictures of a knife in his own client's back. <laughs> like it just and now look at him. I like I, I actually can't say enough about the the, the the nights. Like we don't obviously we don't see him enough, so we don't get to spend time uh, talking about them. But uh it's it's just always fun to tune into their games as as the games are starting and like their production level is obviously a lot of fun. And the team is is the, people are calling them pretty boring or whatever they're but i i find them to be how is a team with mark stone i don't yeah so i don't get like i I find them very entertaining um and from a from afar they're they're far enough away that they're not so much of a threat at least right now Mm. um and 
yeah, like like that, that. I've been enjoying watching that series a little bit mm. uh, because, uh, yeah, I think I'd, I would love to see uh, them kind of slow down Colorado too. And um, yeah. but the the yeah the the blue series. I mean, we see Nazem Kadri. Uh, mm. That another you know this one wasn't a freakish accident. That was just a yeah. you know a, a, a reputation hit from a guy with a terrible reputation and yeah. like. Well, if it's the playoffs, Kadri's going to get suspended. Like right. that's just how it works. It's just that's just how it's what he does. I don't know why he just does it. And one of these days, I mean, he's almost thirty years old. Like one of these days, I think he'll figure it out because he's a darn good player. But you know, sounds like another guy we know. You know, but it's just, exactly. that's the crazy thing is like so he he gets the eight game suspension that hit, and he's just I immediately thought back to Tom Wilson uh, from a couple of weeks ago. I'd be like, this is this league is just hilarious with their player safety, but. <laughs> um, Jordan Bennington in that series has been unbelievable. Like, I don't know if it's possible for someone to win the con Smythe getting swept out of the first round, but he, he, <laughs> he, he, he's definitely a front runner right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, like the, the, the series, obviously that outside the Islanders that has my, my attention the most is the, you know, Habs leaf and Habs leafs. And as you said, like it, it what happened to Tavares kind of like made it a little bit like uneasy to, to, to like real, like to root against them the way I normally do. But uh that's how i thought at least and then 12 hours later when yeah when the the media coverage started to really pour in um i was like oh no i still hate this team i still hate them just <laughs> you know just as much just as much as yeah. i as i normally do um because these guys are uh, incredibly annoying yeah. and um the, the 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 one last bit on this and um is that everybody who wrote a story about what happened to Tavares had to mention how Kyle Dubas looked worried and was on his phone running yeah. out of running out of the owner suite. Like, yeah, he's just a he's a general manager, man. Like, I'm sure if, if that happened with like the Islanders, like they would flesh the Lamarillo, he would probably look a little worried too. And he might not be written about in three or four paragraphs in everybody's lead for their stories, but um that's what happens. Like, I don't understand how I have to make a big deal about it. But yeah. Well, it, you know, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but whenever I think about Kyle Dubas, I think about a quote that I believe was said by David Lee Roth. And if I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm sticking with diamond Dave anyway, but I believe he was the person that said that the reason music critics like Elvis Costello and not Van Halen is because they all look like Elvis Costello. And so I think that's, that's whenever I think about Kyle Dubas getting that kind of attention, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure I know why, because if he were to go out with all the Leafs writers, I think he'd fit right in. Let's put it that way. They all, they all kind of are the same. But uh, yeah, and the other thing that gets me about the Leafs too, and then we'll, we'll bag it up in a second. But like, you know, I fo- obviously we all follow a lot of hockey people and stuff, and you follow team, people from teams that aren't in there, aren't in the playoffs, or they're Flyers fans or Devils fans or whatever. And so you see a lot of them rooting for the Leafs, and that to me just I don't get it. Like I just, you know, it, it, it doesn't work that way in other sports. I don't understand why you would root for like the biggest, most richest most marketed team in the league if yours was out because nobody else really does that like I, i'm a jets fan you know i mean i'm as as much as i can be anymore and you know when they don't make the playoffs i don't root for the steelers to win the <laughs> the super bowl i don't root for the patriots to win the super bowl i don't root for, I, nobody no giants fan i know is going to go ahead and root for the cowboys to win the super bowl like that's just kind of how it works like you might not mind them that much but I just I don't get that. Like you know, no base, no Mets fan I know is going to go ahead and root for the Yankees to win the Super the, the World Series. Like that's preposterous. Like why would you do that? They're the most hated the, the evil empire. It's crazy. But 
apparently in hockey, it's not that crazy. I don't know. I don't get it, but that's just how I think. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think a lot of it is because we have so many teams that everyone has so many teams that they really hate. Like they just really, mm. really like, and yeah. for, for, I guess for some, the Leafs don't, they don't come into that orbit. And I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand I don't why. Mean, I, don't I really don't why. get why, because they are, I think that is, you know, if I, if I was a, um, Arizona Coyotes fan, I think I would probably hate the Leafs a ton too, because I just would hate the amount of airtime they get sucked up in, in my right. sport. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't yeah. really make any sense to me either. No. A good if, point. You're a team like of, that. if you're a fan of any team like the Coyotes, Islanders, Hurricanes, Panthers, you know, that has even, you know, not so much Dallas, but like any, any of these other teams that have been, people have wanted to try to relocate forever. You should probably hate the Leafs, you know, like uh, <laughs> if you're a team of any other, if you're a fan of any other Canadian team, you probably hate the Leafs. If you're, you know, I don't know. It's that to me is it, that that's how it works for me. But again, like we've talked about it and not to go off on the whole thing, but like our hatred of them goes way beyond the current day, the Tavares thing. We go back to the 2002 where the hatred really began. Some people listening to this might, their hatred might for the least goes back to 1979 tiger Williams. So, I mean, you know, we have long memories, especially Islanders fans. So uh, I, I just, so, but it's just a phenomenon that I don't, I don't understand. So anyway, but in any event, uh, we, we've gone far enough now. So, yeah. So game five, Monday night in Pittsburgh, uh, game two, Wednesday at the Coliseum and then game seven, if necessary, Friday in Pittsburgh, um, we'll see how long the Bruins are sitting around <laughs> if uh, they manage to uh, close things out tonight against the Capitals. And uh, we'll see where, where it goes from there. Uh, make sure to read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Um, you should check out our other podcasts. Uh, you should check out, uh, I'll put a link in there, uh, totally off topic, but uh, there was uh, a, our friends at Winging in Motown, the, the Red Wings blog, are doing a whole uh um, expansion draft uh, thing and they asked me for a few words and so I, I talked about the Islanders a little bit kind of threw out a, a bit of a wishful thinking conspiracy theory that I kind of could see going happening but I don't know we'll see I'll put a link in there I don't I'm, I won't talk about well, there's no reason to talk about it now I'll probably bring it up at some point but check that out is written by uh, Peter who's uh, a friend of ours and uh, uh, the brother of Travis who we all know is uh, North Dakota Red Eagle so check that out um, where can everybody find you on Twitter the Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski. Read his work at the Action Network. Uh, h- how are you doing uh, betting wise so far this playoff season? Uh, pretty good. It was it was a good start. Then dip. It's, like, it's a roller coaster, just like anything else. But uh, I've been on the Jets both games. I and I was on the nice. Canadians in both games, so it came out, and um, I was on the Islanders. Three out of four. That's not yeah. bad. Well, yeah, guess, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've been on the I've been on the the Wild a little bit too. So. But yeah, it's been it's been a little bit of a mixed bag, but it's been fun. I I, I I've been one of my favorite things to bet is um first goal scorers. And ah. uh I so I, I bet on Anthony Sorelli to score first last night or yesterday. Oh, nice. Night. Yeah, uh, so that was I, good. I was just gonna say I, I'm I mean again, I'm not I'm not a better, but like I would imagine that especially at this point, nobody wants to touch that lightning Panther series with a ten foot pole. Like it's just yeah, it's too unpredictable. It's, it's like a powder a, yeah. keg, like it is it, it it it's the type of series that um is gonna it might end in five and right. the Peng, and the panthers fans will probably talk about it the way we talk about like the sabers series like it was a lot mm. closer closest five game series you've ever seen um and it's and it's also one that like uh you know it, it 
people were making such a big deal about it. Like we needed to go seven. This is amazing. This, you know, we talked about it last week too. Like the sunrise showdown, like we've been waiting years for this. Like, no, you haven't. You just, <laughs> you've tried to move one of these teams. Um, it, it would be kind of like poetic justice in a cruel way. Cause I do feel for Panthers fans that it, right. it ends like this and nobody ever talks about it ever again. You know, it's just like a footnote for, cause every right. first round series is crazy. You think they're they're every nuts, and it's like this is a legendary series. But then mm. you get eliminated in the first round. Like you, there's not much. Like if the Lightning go on a run again, that's just a footnote in their in their right. championship DVD. So uh, yeah. it it would be funny. And they'll be telling their kids, "Oh yeah, it was the first round. So it was crazy. There were goals everywhere and fights." And so, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure that really happened. Sure really- <laughs> like no, it did. I swear to God. How long to go? Five games. <laughs> <laughs> anyway but it's been fun for us it's fun you know it's fun to watch from as a non-fan it's been great but uh yeah no i, I totally see him and uh, my heart goes out to very long-suffering panthers fans down in florida we we all know you're out there because we're up here and nobody talks about us either so i know you're out there but uh that's about it and uh we'll come back uh, later this week we'll talk uh after you know probably after thursday's game uh i mean wednesday's game you know uh, win or lose we'll, we'll talk and, and see where it goes from there all right thanks for listening and we'll talk to you later bye-bye Something